Hey guys, welcome to True Crime Saturday. Um, and I don't even know when you're listening to this, so <laughs> you may not be listening to this on a Saturday. If you're not, just know that I recorded it on a Saturday. <laughs> um, obviously, this is Ed. I'm coming to you from Disney World in Florida. <laughs> um, I've been having a ball this week, and I'm also ready to rest. (laughs) I need a vacation for my vacation, but I wanted wanted to bring you guys this episode. Um, This story fascinated me, and before we get started, I just have to give a great big shout out to Will. He is the world's best producer. He got, he worked so hard to get me all these notes, um, and not only did not only did he do that for me, but he took it a step further, and organized them, um, so I could do really easy segments. So thank you, William. You are a godsend, and I don't know what I would do without you. So today. We are going to talk about Griselda Blanco, the godmother of cocaine, the queen of drugs, a notorious murderess, and quite frankly, one of the most ruthless people that ever walked this earth. Pablo Escobar would have been afraid of her. There's been a Lifetime movie about her. I'm sorry, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Um, but her story is one that really begs for the big screen treatment. Like a real big screen um, movie about her life. A real big screen biopic. She was born poor, and when she died, when she was murdered, she was worth $2 billion. And how did she get there? How did, like, how did she build this empire? Um, Will, like I said, Will gave me a, a great number of notes. Um, so... I just want to say, like, some of the details we're going to skip out on, and we're going to do a longer, deeper dive, um, probably for the Patreon, maybe for the YouTube show, I'm not quite sure yet, but this, this story is so fascinating, um, there were three marriages, um, all three of the husbands were killed by Griselda, we're going to get into that a little bit. We're going to talk about how her sons all got involved with her mafia. They were all killed. And then there's one very disturbing incident that we're going to talk about. And, like, I had read it before Will told me about it. Because I was trying to do research and trying to figure out how to do this. And then once I asked Will for help, he really, like I said, he really just stepped up in a big way for me. Um... But 
and we talked about this incident, and it was just, it, it is such a mind-blowing, shocking thing that she did. And celebrated. That's the whole thing. She celebrated this. And I just, when you think about, you know, usually when people talk about women, and especially mothers, they're very gentle and, you know, very soothing and, you know, here to protect you. And Griselda was not your typical mother. She was not your typical mobster. Um, she invented the uh, motorcycle drive-by, which ultimately was her undoing. So sit back, enjoy this episode. We are talking about the one and the only Griselda Blanco. And I am going to go, and I will be right back. And I am back. So, we are going to get right into talking about Griselda Blanco. And believe it or not, I don't get paid every time I say her name. Otherwise, that's all I would be saying. Even though that's what it seems like all I'm saying now. Um, So... Griselda Blanco was a Colombian drug lord who set up um, a drug operation in South Florida in the early 1980s. And she was, she had the nicknames La Madrina, which um, is, I believe, the godmother. Um, She was also known as the cocaine godmother and all those that I said earlier. So let's, uh, just a little bit of her background, um, because I think it's always important to know where these criminals came from. She grew up in Medellin, Colombia, which, very dangerous city. And she was, like I said earlier, she, she grew up poor. She ended up getting involved in crime. Uh, she would, um, there were some petty thefts, some pickpocketing. There are rumors, although I did not, and Will didn't, um, Will didn't get any of this. Oh, yeah, he did. Um, some of her crimes included kidnapping, pickpocketing, and prostitution. And these were all by the age of 11. Can you imagine that? An 11-year-old prostituting herself. Just for a little bit of extra money. Um, you know, and first of all, by 11, she was kidnapping by 11 people. You know, normally, okay, normally I try to make these true crimes very professional because I do write true crime. I have a reputation um, for true crime articles, but and then like a lot of them, I I I do get a little sassy and put in a little dark humor. And with Griselda Blanco, I really needed to do that because the story is so dense, and it is so. Like this, like I said, it just calls out for the big screen treatment. 
I don't know who could play her. Um, is some people are saying Sofia Vergara? No, like this. Sofia Vergara is a good comedic actress, but this calls for a really heavy, you know, strong actress. Um, someone, someone in the Meryl Streep league. But obviously not Meryl Streep because Meryl Streep is a white woman and we don't want to keep giving white women or white people um, roles that are for people of color. So they're probably going to hire Scarlett Johansson. (laughs) Alright, back to Griselda. She was married and widowed three times and... She murdered all three of her husbands. I mean, let's let's just be real here. There was an incident with her second husband. Um, Alberto Bravo. Because she... She was raking in money hand over fist, but... Something didn't seem right with the book. Something seemed a little off. So she confronted Alberto over it. And he denied how you know, he denied it. He was like, no, 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 no. I would not steal from you. And she pulled a gun. He shot her. She shot him three times. He died. She had some scrapes. Um, and I'm trying to remember... Um, he he and his bodyguards died. She obviously did not. I want I almost want to say she was tried for that murder, but I'm not one hundred percent positive of that. Um, but she earned the she earned a new nickname, Black Widow, and I earned myself a break, so I'm gonna go and I'm gonna be right back. And I'm back, and we're talking about the Black Widow herself, Griselda Blanco. So, at the end of the last segment, we were talking about how she killed her um, second husband. And then she got remarried for a third time to Dario Supovelda. And they were married for a little while. And then he was killed... By her bodyguards, but they dressed as police officers. And what they did, and this was actually kind of clever, is they pulled him over, acting like police officers, and shot and killed him. And if I remember the story correctly, he realized too late that these were her bodyguards. And because when he was found, he was found holding a gun. And so some people speculated that perhaps he had killed himself until the ballistics came back and the bullets were not from from his gun. Um, And it was too far away. They, um, the Miami News... The Miami New Times ran the story first, and they were the first ones to accuse her of having committed conspiracy to kill her husband by ordering the hit. 
And as I mentioned in the very first segment in our introduction, Blanco was the very first person to come up with this concept of hitmen riding on motorcycles and shooting. I don't know how she came up with that, but I want to know. Like, I I just truly want to know what in her mind thought, hmm, this is going to be an interesting way to kill people. And furthermore, what I want to know is how does she feel about that technique being used against her? Because as I said, that's... And we're going to talk more about this um, at the end of the episode, but that's eventually how she was killed. So as head of this drug cartel, this mafia, it's believed that Blanco is either personally responsible for or ordered the murder of at least 200 people. Statistics will vary so wildly here. Um, uh, both Will and I have seen as high as 200, but I don't think that they're considering everybody. I think they're just considering United States citizens. So that's why I'm going to say at least 200. Um, and we've seen numbers as low as 40, but n- neither of us really like that number. We don't. That doesn't feel true. Um, just because we've already talked about three murders, the three murders of her husband and the second husband's bodyguards. So we're already looking at a half dozen at, at the very least. And there's another incident where we're going to talk about that's going to add to the death count. So it's not an exaggeration to say she probably killed uh, at least 200 people. But, and here's the thing that it gets really twisted and it really messes people up. If she was only ever convicted of killing three people. Uh, and... Two of them were drug dealers who crossed her, and the other was a two-year-old boy of a former drug enforcer, or of a former one of her enforcers. Now, this is a shocking story that I was telling you about at the beginning. So, I I'm I'm trying to just wrap my mind around this because. It is such a... If I were reading this and this were fiction, it would immediately take me out because it's so shocking. So, um, her son Michael was murdered, allegedly by um, the enforcer. So she ordered a hit on her former enforcer. And whoever her hit was missed. Just completely missed the enforcer. But they hit his two-year-old son. The two-year-old died right away. 
And so, at first, Griselda was just so angry. She was yelling and screaming and ranting and raving. And then she heard that the enforcer's two-year-old son was killed. And she celebrated. Um, In one of the articles I read, she popped open champagne. And it, that, that just made me sick to my stomach. And the reason why she popped open the champagne was because she felt like that evened them up. Sun for a sun, eye for an eye. Which was the code that she lived by. And you're probably listening to this and wondering... How did she get away with it? Well, she didn't, technically. She was convicted, and she did do some jail time. But we're going to go, and I'm going to be right back with some more of this this fascinating story. I'll be right back. And I'm back. So, we're talking about Griselda Blanco today. I keep saying that, and I don't know why, really. Because <laughs> if you don't know by now... Uh, I mean, really. Um, so, in the last segment, we talked about how we talked about the one shocking story of how she murdered a two year old. And she was tried. And it was looking very bad for her. A guilty verdict was almost a foregone conclusion. The death penalty hung over her head. And people really... Like... This really hung in the balance here. Um, It was teetering on the edge. And then... Her defense attorneys were able to pull a rabbit out of a hat. So, at this point in time, she was, she had amassed at least two billion. And keep in mind that this was in the 80s, so two billion dollars back then would probably translate to, and this, it, this sounds like an exaggeration, but I don't think it is. Um, it would probably translate to about 40 or 50 billion dollars today. I mean, this woman was loaded. She had no worries. Or you would think that she had no worries. I mean, she, back in 1985, she had one third of the money that Trump wants to build his wall. That's how rich this lady was. Um, she was arrested in 1985, and she was arrested for the three murders that we've talked about, including the two-year-old. And so, as her trial wound down, it was looking really, really bad for her. The guilty verdict was a foregone conclusion, as I said. The death penalty was there, and the prosecutors were going for the jugular. Except one of their own led to their undoing. So she she was indeed found guilty, but they did not give her the death penalty because their star witness, 
uh, Jorge Ayala was caught having phone sex with the prosecutor's assistant. So she was able to avoid being killed. But she did end up um, spending like 19 years in prison. Where And while she was in prison, she was still running as a drug cartel. This woman did not stop. You know, I'm, I'm doing a half hour broadcast. And I'm like, Oof, I need me a nap. But no. The Black Widow was like, Mm-mm, no, this is my empire. This is my monies. I'm going to make sure I have what I need. Um, so she was released in, um, 2004, but she was immediately deported to Colombia. And while she was in Colombia, she ended up taking a, a, a lower profile. She was still running the drug cartel. She still had plenty of money. So she was kind of insulated from all of this. And when I say all of this, I mean, like, she didn't have to worry about crime or being arrested or anything like that. She was pretty much immune. Um, at one point, she did try to go back to Florida. But I don't think she stayed there very long. I only remember that because um, for a long time, she was like, before she was arrested for the three murders, every time the cops started to close in on her, she would move. She would go back to Columbia. She would stay in Columbia for a while, let the heat die down, and then she would mosey on back. Uh, and just for the record, she actually she ran this um, Southern Florida drug cartel, but she also had... Um, things up here in, in Queens, New York. I say up here like I'm still in New York. Um, <laughs> you can tell I miss my adopted city. Uh, but she, you know, her influence and her cartel was really all over the eastern seaboard. And, um, but when, when she went back to Columbia... She just stayed low, kept her nose clean. And that was really an unintentional pun. And, you know, kind of started living out the life of a grandma. Well, if the grandma happened to run one of the world's largest drug cartels and invented the way she was about to be assassinated, we're going to get to that. In one second, I'm going to go and I'll be right back. And I'm back. So, as I told you in the earlier segment, Griselda Blanco actually created the way she would die. And there's a certain poetic justice to that, if you ask me. So, we, we talked about the motorcycle assassination. And she was in Mendelin, Colombia. On September 2nd, 2012. 
A middle-aged man on a motorcycle rode up while she was at the butcher shop, walked into the store, pulled out a gun, and shot her dad. Twice. He made sure she was dead. He shot her in the head twice. He was like, mm-mm, that bitch is dead. She, she has to go. Went back on his bike and then just disappeared altogether. And the world was shocked. The world was shocked because the Colombian, or the the cocaine godmother, the this badass bitch, who for so long had ruled with an iron fist, was suddenly gone, taken down. By a technique that she invented and perfected. And it leaves you to wonder, like... What... What would have happened if she had just been a regular grandmother or a regular mother or whatever? Would... Would she have been killed in such a violent fashion? I mean, we we talked about it, you know, her city in Colombia was um, one of the most violent on the continent, and probably, we could argue, in the world. Um, but she had so many enemies. There were so many people who were out for blood from her because of one reason or another, mostly because... Um, she shattered lives. She killed people. She killed a two-year-old and drank champagne. And the one thing that people believe is that this was a professional hit. Another mobster, a rival mobster, ordered the hit on her and paid the hitman. But we'll never know who it was because she was just so hated by everybody. And, you know, that has to have been just a horrible, horrible feeling knowing that you were so hated. Um, Her son, uh, Michael Corleone, Corleone, was named after the Godfather character, and obviously I'm stumbling over his name right now. Um, he he had a reality show with his girlfriend. It was on VH1 for like two minutes. It did not do very well, and it was canceled. Um, he's the only one still alive. I believe he inherited everything. So he's worth like Yeah, it it looks like he inherited everything. So he got he's worth like he he has at least 2 billion dollars. Um people are saying that they don't know 
if he if he inherited that money, he inherited that money. I guarantee you that. And I think what when they say that his net worth is unknown, it's not because it's actually unknown, or it is because it's unknown, but it's not because they don't think that she left it to him. I think it's because with drug money, you just never really know how much is there. Um, like he said in an earlier segment, she was breaking in, allegedly breaking in, $80 million a year. Or $80 million a month, rather. So if we do some fast math, 80, 80 times 10 would be 800. So that would be $960 million that she she brought in in one year. So you figure if she was worth $2 billion, she would have only sold drugs for like two years. Obviously that was not the case. She was doing it right up until her death. So we may never know how much she's actually worth or how much how much she was worth, how much she left for her son. And that's going to do it for this edition of True Crime Saturdays. Um, I want to, just once again, I want to say thank you to Will. Um, I hope you're listening to this episode and you're happy with how it turned out, William. Um, thank you for all of your help with it. To you guys who listen to me, thank you so much. It means the world that you listen and you enjoy. I do not sell cocaine, so um, if you want to leave me some, uh, if you want to become a sponsor, just go to anchor.fm and um, then go to Drunk Gossip and you can leave me some money if you so choose. If not, don't worry. I just... I I I have to say it. <laughs> okay. Now I'm punch drunk. And I need to be real drunk. So I'm going to go. And until next time, cheers. <laughs>